I find there's a better correlation for that player on the casino side of things than sports betting. There's more of an opportunity for that kind of interaction with the screen time to be more of a casino play. If I was looking to attract those folks, yeah, maybe some esports betting, but my play would be more cross-sell into casino. There's not a single brand in the market here in Ontario that's not doing more numbers through their casino than they are their sports books. So ultimately, it's the online casino where the revenue sits. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. It's Thursday, April 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Steve McAllister. May is just around the corner. The grass is turning green. The Leafs and Oilers are both one win away from advancing to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes, that's right. The Toronto Maple Leafs are one win away once again from advancing to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The NFL draft begins tonight and the French Open Tennis Tournament, the second Grand Slam of the professional tennis season, starts Sunday. So spring is more than in the air. Enough of that. Let's come down to the business of sports betting. And there's lots of that discussed over the next hour with Amanda Brewer of Kinder Group. Chris Abbott of Botano Canada, and the Parlay Media Group trio of Mark Silver, Gavin Roth, and Mike Day. Uh, we're going to discuss a few items at the top of the hour. At the second half of the show, we're going to try to take a bit of a break from the from the business stuff, and we're going to speak with Chris, Amanda, and Nick Salsky from Points Bet Canada is going to join us and, and uh, like to discuss a little bit just what sports fans are betting on in the opening weeks of both the NHL and NBA playoffs. And and, you know, maybe uh, meander into some sports talk for the second part of the show. We'll also talk to Chris, Amanda, and Nick. I have a bit of a feeling that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays' uh, good start is, is probably resonating with, with the betting public in Ontario as well. But let's get to the nitty-gritty stuff first. If you haven't seen the Gaming News Canada newsletter presented by GBG this morning, we, we did lead with a bit of a mix. Uh, the, the news of the uh, the Pinnacle rivalry announced me yesterday around rivalry looking to access about $10 million in, in, in funding through an expansion of their relationship with Pinnacle. Earlier this week, North Star Gaming announced it was acquiring Slapshot Media. That was uh, an indication or a first step towards North Star Gaming um, taking his business beyond Ontario into, into other parts of the, of Canada. Yahoo Sports this week announced that it, it bought the betting platform Wager. Amanda, maybe we'll start with you. just seems to be an awful lot going on on the business side right now. And is, is this just a case where we're a little bit more attuned to it now that we have a regulated market and we have this form every week to talk about it? Or, you know, we talked last week a little bit about the reports about points bet selling off its its North American operation. Is, is this standard for this time of year or, the, or this climate? Or, or do you think this is kind of what happens in a dynamic industry on a daily basis? I think it's a bit of the latter, but also remember regulated gaming in North America is very new. It's been around in Europe for a very long time. So you know, the shifting sands of, you know, different states opening, Ontario opening, lots of operators rushing to get in here, lots of operators who only came into existence because Ontario um, decided to license and regulate. So there's there's no surprise that we're one year into Ontario's market and we're starting to see some mergers, some, you know, exits, um, you know, just some shifting around of, of the different pole positions, if you will. Um, so I would I would say this is just a natural course of 
of business and especially, you know, in the greater North American landscape, it, it's just what happens when you've got a lot of companies that, you know, it's like the gold rush from the 1800s, you know, you think the hills are filled with gold here, you dip your toe in and sometimes, you know, it makes sense to partner up to be stronger. It makes partner sense to partner up to get greater leverage or to get greater market access. So, yep, this is just the normal course of, of business. It's just we're a newer industry in North America. And so it's kind of our turn now. And Chris, just to Amanda's point, I mean, you've been in this industry for a while now. I'm, I'm sure this is nothing new to, to see the, the scuttlebutt and rumors and rumblings and all, all the talk that goes on within the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think Amanda covered it pretty well. Uh, I would say that, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't see much talk of Canadian companies um, in, in some of these reports. So that's a little bit new uh, or companies that were operating here. You know, it was often very times uh, very much, excuse me, um, European focused or, or, you know, Australian or what have you, because, you know, things are, are relatively new in the, in the online space in the U S as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's getting a little more, a little more mainstream coverage. you you hear about mergers and acquisitions and, you know, uh, if Pinnacle is invested in rivalry, um, you know, uh, Another company you mentioned picking up uh, picking up a smaller one. Uh, the, all these companies want to have everything in house as much as they can because a lot of the money that is spent by operators is through licensing, is through fees, is through paying game studios or live data providers or what have you. So the more uh, good tech that is out there that companies can bring in house, the better. And um, we'll we'll see this continue. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I should mention, I mean, you know, pretty much for the better part of the two years that we've we've written the Gaming News Canada newsletter, I mean, we have dedicated a section every Thursday, matters of, of M&A to, to uh, mergers and acquisitions, either news or, or rumblings. And um, I can't think of a Thursday where we haven't had something going on in, in the M&A world. So you're absolutely right, Chris. That's, that's, not, uh, that's not new. Follow up for both you and Amanda, Chris, and I'll start with you. Is just again the pinnacle and uh, and rivalry announcement yesterday. I had a chance to talk to Stephen Stephen Saltz, uh, co-founder and CEO of Rivalry, and he talked about the alignment that Pinnacle and, and Rivalry have in the in the esports betting space. And um, Stephen was telling me that Pinnacle was actually he believes it was a sports book to to offer esports betting back in two thousand and ten. Um, just a general question, Chris. Just just your thoughts on on where esports betting fits into the into the mix, and uh, do you see potential for growth among other operators in that area, or or what, do you think a lot of operators are going to kind of stay in their lane and, and focus on what's successful for them? So yeah, a couple of things there. I think you know Pinnacle's whole mo. Uh, as long as I've known them, is to not be flashy, is to have good odds, is to have a functional product. You know, there's a time there was no chat. You know, it was hard to get in touch with somebody. But if it, uh, you know, I don't want to compare them to Swoop Airlines because I think they're they're higher class. But if you if you get a flight on Swoop and you don't need anything until you take that flight, it's awesome, right? One of the things that people didn't realize about Pinnacle is they did have a good and robust esports product. And I don't think it was a place where esports gamblers were. Or, or players even were like, hey, let's go check out Pinnacle. Um, so I'm really curious to see that they've partnered with a, a company in Rivalry who does a really good job of kind of promoting themselves and marketing and making it a little more flashy. So that's a really interesting one for me. I think it's a natural, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Uh, in terms of other um, operators doing the same and getting deeper into esports, I think there's plenty 
um, for us to chew on with esports. One is going to be the integrity piece. Um, it's new. We need to figure it out. I would say that most regulators, if you think they don't know sports betting or online casino that well, I can assure you they don't know video games and competitive video games that well. Um, at least that's my take. And that's that's my reality as a you know 40-year-old guy. Um, some of these video game competitions are all very, very you know next generation folks for me or younger generation folks. So I think there's a big learning curve for a lot of operators here. Um, I know for a fact that there has been some integrity issues um, explored by by regulators and integrity companies on the esports side. I do think just in general, our world is headed that way, where I think more and more things are going to be online, including our sports. You know, if you take a look at the NFL and all the concussion problems in sport at some point, and this isn't going to be next year, but 20, 30 years is most of our sporting entertainment going to be digital. Uh, so I think those who invest in it now will certainly have a head start when we get to that point. Amanda. So I completely agree with everything that Chris said, especially the part about being too old to really understand it. So I'm <laughs> firmly in that camp, but um, we offer it. Unibet offers it through can but to really underline uh, what Chris was saying about uh, integrity, uh, just this week, the AGCO reached out about uh, Dota 2 and any um, odds games that were offered um, by any of the operators um, for that game. So I think it's the newest kid on the block. I think it taps into a non-traditional uh, sports betting demographic. Um, I wouldn't say that the turnover we get on esports uh, is close to traditional sports betting, but I think it would be remiss of us not to have that product available. Um, we don't lean very heavily into it. Um, you know, I, I think there's been a shifting kind of, you know, the shifting sands as well for that, the esports industry, um, now that it's getting a little bit more mature and a little more grown up. But the thing too is its customer base is gonna mature and grow up too. So do they stay with esports or do they merge and move on to something else? I don't have the answer to that. But I think it's an interesting part of the product mix, but it for sure is part of the product mix. It's not something that we singularly focus on and we're not investing a lot of marketing or partnerships into that space at this time. I want to get Gavin Roth in here because Gavin with his uh, partnership and sponsorship consulting business has, uh, has done some work on behalf of clients in the esports space. And Gavin, I just wonder in, in the time you've kind of dipped your toes in that industry or, or is the industry still bullish on, on where, on the potential around esports and, and kind of where, where do you sit these days on, on that industry? Yeah. I, well, one thing we did learn, um, is we we brought a couple of partnerships to bear uh, for an esports client we consulted for, and frankly, it, they didn't con they didn't convert very well at all. And uh, w you know, through talking to some industry folks, what we've come to the conclusion is that the the gaming audience, and this is a little bit different than the question you're asking, but I feel it's relevant. The gaming audience, the gamers esports enthusiasts don't convert well into uh, traditional sports bettors. Um, and similarly, what, but this part, the second part, what I'm about to say is, is not totally um, supported yet, but I think there's, there's, it will be at some point, is that they're not going to be that rabid about betting, even on esports. Um, 
and and so there is a lot to figure out with the industry and make sure that it's it's regulated, it's safe. That uh, because there are a lot of young folks in that space and platforms like Twitch, um, you know, tread carefully when it comes to uh, what they make. Uh, available to that audience. But yeah, we, we, we tried, all I can say is with confidence, we tried to convert gamers into sports bettors. And uh, that, that so far has not been proven out. Hey, man, just to go off track a, a little bit on, on what Gavin has to say, um, you know, as it relates to, to sports betting and on, online casino, it for example, I'll just use myself since regulated sports bettings come to the marketplace. I, I do a little bit of betting on, on different uh, sports book apps now, but I haven't had any incentive at all to, to go over and try uh, online ca- casino or online poker without giving away any trade se- secrets. Are you seeing any of that transition at all? Well, I've said from day one that we were going to be casino first, um, which means we are a strong multi-product operator in this market. And um, I would say the majority of the operators here are multi-product, sports being seasonal, sometimes, you know, handles not being as lucrative as, you know, the money you can make on on slots or table games, online slots or table games. Um, So for us, you know, it's, it's a lot of the focus of our marketing team on you know, at least the multi-product player. And if, you know, players are coming in through sports, are they interested in trying out some casino games? So it it is an ongoing discussion. It's an ongoing focus for us, but it is certainly something that, you know, we remain very happily surprised by our margin with our sports book here, um, considering that the vast majority of our marketing efforts are going into casino. but you know, it is certainly something that we are finding a, a, a good degree of success with here. And like I said, I, I, I would assume a lot of the operators in this market are following a similar, similar playbook. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, a um, couple of things. So, Steve, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of signed up and started betting some sports but haven't been, um, you know, lured to the other side, as it were. And Gavin talked about esports folks maybe not tracking to the sports betting side i when i was a kid big video game guy right (laughs) like loved video games from you know uh, atari to nintendo to sega to playstation whatever i find there's a better correlation for that player on the casino side of things than sports betting i think there's um, more of an opportunity for that kind of interaction with with the screen time to be more of a casino play. Um, so that would be, if I was, if I was looking to attract those folks, yeah, maybe some esports betting, but definitely my play would be more cross sell into um, casino because they're competitive about their video games. They're competitive, you know? So I think that's that to me uh, individually, anyhow, that was, that's more of a casino play. Um, and yeah, I think uh, to your point about, you know, where you, our players playing both. I think we, I want to say 35, 40% of our sports book players are, have also dabbled in the casino at, um, at varying points. So I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's not a secret that, you know, you see a lot of sports book branding advertising, especially during market launch because sports, um, you know, it's sexier, it's, it's more mass appeal, but you know, ultimately there's not a single brand in the market here in Ontario that's not doing um, more numbers through their casino than they are their sports book. So ultimately, it's the, it's the online casino where the revenue sits for, for operators. A word from our sponsor. 
The Gaming News Canada Show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. Osler's gaming practice group has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving legal landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in gaming has been built over years of service to stakeholders in the industry, including financial institutions, gaming operators, and provincial gaming authorities. Visit osler.com forward slash gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot com slash gaming. Now back to the show. I want to move over, uh, Amanda and Chris, and, and spend a few minutes talking about the U- United Kingdom government's white paper that came out this morning. And again, if for probably the majority of you who haven't, haven't been following this issue, I mean, we, we, you, you might know about the trials and tribulations that uh, uh, the UK government has had just, just in terms of uh, playing musical chairs with its leadership over the last uh, couple of years and, and probably a bit longer during the COVID pandemic. But there has been an expectation that at some point the government would come out with some type of gambling reforms. And that finally did happen this morning with a proposal from Lucy Fraser, the uh, the gambling secretary for the for the government. Um, Amanda, maybe I'll just start with you. Was Have you had a chance to, to take a look at the coverage? You know, it's a 268 page document, so I don't expect you've had a chance to go through go through the entire document. But. Uh, if you've had a chance to follow the coverage, is there anything that struck you with uh, with what the government's released? Yeah, I have to beg off this one. I know it's come out. Um, I know Regulus uh, sent around an email that was mostly thumbs up on it. It was just the affordability checks, I think, that they were questioning. Um, but I have had two days of <laughs> very busy back-to-back-to-back meetings. So I will have to let someone else uh, opine on that. Let me just maybe Chris before I go to you, I'll just mention this. So a couple a couple of things that's, that stuck out for me with with the proposal is uh, uh, you know there's a feeling I guess right now that operators aren't giving enough funding to uh, to research and education and, and treatment uh, with pr- problem gambling. So uh, there's a call in this white paper for a levy. Um, I think there's some mechanisms that the government would like to put in place to to have uh, I guess better oversight over under 25 betters, especially I guess players on on online online slots. Um, those are I would say two of the things that really stuck out. Chris, have you had a chance to uh, chance to digest this at all? Well, I've certainly not made it through the what was it 268 pages, but I did get through the executive summary and and uh, and a little bit. So. I would say I would say mostly thumbs up, right? I think there was a couple of things that struck me that might be hard to hard to enforce or, or hard to bring to reality. I think one of them was um, some kind of affordability check or responsible gaming check if somebody lost a thousand dollars in a day. To a lot of people, a thousand dollars in a day is a lot of money gambling, uh, but to many, it's not. So I don't know how they they manage that. I think that might be a low threshold um there's there's a lot of attention being paid to young gamblers and i applaud that actually i i don't think that um what were they saying to capita two pounds so yes um if you go into well i'm dating myself now but back in the day when you could go into um and you still can in some provinces and play a vlt machine you know uh the maximum bet was usually $2.50. So it's only in recent times where, you know, it's gotten a little bit higher. And and it's one of the things for me with, with online slot playing that I think is a bit much like you can bet an awful lot per spin and it's very, very easy to do so. 
Um, so I, I applaud the move, especially on young people to, to temper that. Um, and, and just anything really, I, I also applaud um, any um, steps to, to take it out of, you know, a, a locked bedroom door where somebody's in there and just kind of emptying out an account. Like I, I don't, that's not the way that, that the game should be played. Um, so I think that, yeah, anything that brings more visibility, um, at least put some speed bumps in the way of, of folks. Um, but I do agree that it's tough, um, uh, when you get some players that have the means and, and don't want to be told how to spend their money. There is the fear that if you overstep with these kind of regulations, you, you, you get back into the driving people, um, whether it be offshore or, or black market or wherever, wherever they might want to go to get away from this kind of thing. So it's always a fine line to walk with regulators. I, I, I like that in Tain and Flutter have both applauded this. And I think um, most, mostly it's, uh, it's quite positive. Hey, Amanda, we, we've talked here, you know, for ever and ever about, uh, you know, with, with Paul Burns, yourself and, and others about uh, Canada's track record when it comes to responsible gambling and, you know, just, at first blush, you think of, uh, you know, the Responsible Gambling Council being based in Toronto, uh, OLG having this PlaySmart program, which is internationally acclaimed, uh, the BCLC's GameSense program, which, uh, again, is is, uh, is a business that uh, the BCLC has a deal with uh, with MGM Resorts uh, through its GameSense, GameSense Responsible Gambling program. And I think part of that conversation that we've had here previously has been that uh, as long as a gambling history that there's been in the UK is it probably hasn't been quite as diligent as jur- jurisdictions here in Canada when it comes to that responsible gambling messaging education uh, and other initiatives. Well, you know, hallelujah, Steve, and thank you for saying that because I think I can speak for Paul that he's quite tired of having to remind mostly the Canadian media that Canada and the UK have very different gambling cultures. And one has betting shops in high streets and has, you know, had the existence of these betting shops for decades and decades and decades, has had legal online gaming for a long time as well. And we do not have that same experience here. So it's quite tiresome to have ongoing comparisons to the UK and to Ontario or to Canada. Um, But Yes, I think it's it's something to be very proud of. Um, there's a lot of effort. There's a lot of investment. Uh, there's a lot of commitment to responsible gambling. Um, the fact that all the operators here link to Connects Ontario for uh, prov- provision of, of, of assistance for any gamblers who are suddenly experiencing problems. Um, the fact that these centers are what you will also find in all of our land-based casinos in Ontario. So there's a consistency and a coordination to our approach. The fact that the RGC is still undertaking research to try to find out what the potential influence of all the sports spending advertising could possibly be on minors. Because right now we're inferring a lot, but we don't actually have any evidence or any research. So I think, you know, especially with Ontario having opened up its market, you're going to be seeing an increased focus on research-based, fact-based information coming in um, about, 
you know, the market responsible gambling and the impact on the consumer. So, and the other thing I'll say too, like, you know, not to toot Kindred's horn, but if you're not measuring things, then how do you know what the impact is? And Kindred has been one of the operators. We're not the only one, but we do measure the amount of revenue that we derive from problem gambling. And just this week, you know, Kindred was happy to announce it has dropped to 3% for the first time. We have a commitment of getting it down to zero. So, Again, you know, unless you're measuring it, unless you're putting systems in place to, to be able to give you an idea of what you're doing and how you're doing it, how will you ever be able to refute the allegations? So anyway, that was my long and rambling answer. No, and I know, Mandy, you've also been a, a loud voice in calling for uh, essentially a central registry for self-exclusion programs. And, and you've, I know you've been pushing iGaming Ontario to, to deliver that as, as soon as possible. And that's something I believe uh, Martha Otten mentioned or Dave Forrestal at the uh, at the uh, Canadian Gaming Association Leaders Forum at the beginning of April that they they were getting close to being able to deliver that uh, deliver that program. Yeah, it's a missing part of our safety net, and it's something that I hope that IGO can update the industry on very very soon. You know, soon we'll be at the halfway point of the year. But, you know, until we can safely have customers who are self-excluding, not just from the operator they're playing with, but from all operators, I think, you know, I, I, I do think that that is still something that is, is very necessary for this market. Hey, Chris, just going back to your comments about young people. I mean, I've, I've heard anecdotally, I've had people tell me about, uh, you know, their kids getting sports book accounts through their parents and their credit card information and essentially their parents setting up a sports book app for, for their child. And I just wonder, like, what is there advice that you and Amanda can give to a parent? I mean, again, we shouldn't buy, be naive enough. And this has been going on forever. I mean, this goes back to, you know, me sitting in a living room with my my 14-year-old buddies watching Leafs in the playoffs back in the 70s and putting a couple of dollars on the table on who was going to score the winning goal in, in overtime. So it's not like betting's a new phenomenon, but is there advice that you would give to parents who, who are giving their their sons and daughters uh, access to, to a sportsbook app? Oh, Steve, I don't know if I'm, I'm certainly the after-school special kind of voice for, for parenting, <laughs> but... Um, well, I, let me put it in, in, I guess, realistic terms. Uh, me too. Like I had, um, I remember vividly in my buddy's basement in high school with a, you know, five or $10 pro line ticket on the Super Bowl. you know, which I think is, I think is, well, it's illegal, but it's, it's harmless if it's done, you know, with your parents around and all that. it's kind of like the drinking thing. Um, you know, some, some parents take the stance. Well, if you're going to have a few drinks as a teenager, um, you know, do it at my house. And, and uh, people have varying views on that. What I would say, especially when it comes to, to sports betting and gambling, is um, the signs for um, a young person who might be falling into um, some trouble are a little less obvious than drinking or smoking or drugs. Um, I think uh, it's, it's a it can be a slippery slope. It's exciting. It's fun. For most people, it's not a problem. But um, certainly if, if you are going down that track, again, it's illegal. You really shouldn't do it. But there's lots of things that people do that are illegal that they shouldn't do. So I would say if you are going down that track, um, be very, very mindful of the amount of money that's going into an account, how it's being bet. Um, yeah, just like anything, I think, is, is pay close attention to what the kids are doing. Uh, and a lot of times the, the kids right now are going to be more tech savvy than the parents, right? Um, so... Be, just be aware 
I suppose is, is the best thing I could say. I'd like to stand up here and say, well, it's illegal. You should never do it. Don't ever let your kids do this. But um, well, one, I don't think that works in, in society in general. Uh, and two, it's, it's naive to think that that that's the case. So I would say um, be aware, keep your eyes open. That's that, that would be my best advice there. Yeah. Amanda, what, yeah, anything to add to that? Uh, don't have children, so I will also take the a pass on that one. Sure. But uh, also, in, if you listen, to, I will say, if you listen to Paul's interview on The Current last week, um, the gentleman who was the lecturer um, from the UK did say that they do know of instances in the UK where parents are actually opening accounts for their children. Um, so, you know, to Chris's point about being aware and just keeping an eye on things, um, you know, we've talked about that in the past. I, I, I really do not think it's a parent's um it's a, it's a parent's role or parents you know job to be opening sports betting accounts for their children but I, as a as a operator and chris you know feel free to to weigh in i have no idea how we'd even find out because of the parents opening the account under their own name providing their data their kyc information they were verified and they're just handing their phone to their kids so their kid can play then that would be very hard to find yeah. I, I yeah, know, uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of checks in place, but if somebody is going to go as far as, you know, uploading a selfie of themselves to say, this is my account, but let their kid use it. I mean, uh, with today's technology, there's, there's, there's no way, um, unless, you know, you, you had to get a, a selfie verification every single time, uh, you logged into an account, which may come one of these days, but, um, yeah, it, given today's standards and tech, it would be very hard for the operators to manage. I know uh, Nick Salsky the, from Points Bet Canada is a, a dad, and Nick, I'm sure you'd like to chime in on this one. Yeah, sure. I mean, Steve, and for the record, there are very few things I wouldn't happily chime in on, <laughs> right? Um, so I agree. I am, I am a father, and I'm a father of a teenage daughter who has a, a, a whole lot of, of teenage friends who love sports. Um, I honestly think as a parent, I'm less concerned right now about the high school kids because to what Chris kind of alluded to, and I think Amanda as well, I know I didn't catch the, the entire conversation, getting an account and funding an account as a minor is very, very challenging. What I'm more concerned about as a parent is when my child goes to university, because there are a slew of university kids who obviously have credit cards who are above the age of majority, so they can legally gamble and they're surrounded. They're also around kids who can't get. And university is such a um, kind of influential and powerful moment in lives. A lot of kids also start um, experimenting with drinking and, and, and other things at university. There's a, there's a lot more, there's a lot more social uh, power with less parental oversight. So I'm actually more concerned around responsible gambling um, and children as it relates to university students. And that's where, you know, certain operators have run programs targeting university students and i must admit i'm not a fan of that there were you know a number of 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 companies in the u.s including PointsBet, who had a relationship with with u.s colleges now gambling um 
the age of gambling was is, is, is older in the U.S. than it is in Ontario in most states. So uh, a little bit less concern there. Um, but I will say that's the area that I'm most interested in trying to find ways to educate uh, properly is the university age kids. Yeah, I'll just mention that I had an interesting conversation with Shelley White from the Responsible Gambling Council at, at ICE in London back in uh, February. And we, we were talking a bit about uh, young adults and college students betting. And she was saying that was an area where the RGC was working really hard. And there actually had been, um, they'd been approached by, by high schools and colleges and universities. And they were dedicating more resources to, you know, going into the schools and having those conversations. And if you go to the, uh, the RGC website at responsiblegambling.org, there's actually uh, a pretty robust section that's dedicated to educating and, and giving young adults and, and teenagers places to go to if they and their parents if they do uh, if they do need some su support. So I just pass that uh, URL along. Um, I'd like to move quickly for for a few moments. Just uh, we gave a bit of air this week in the newsletter to the uh, the partnership between Nuve and and Ryan Reynolds, and we did that because you know Ryan Reynolds is riding such a wave right now. He's literally the guy who everything he seems to touch right now turns to gold. Um, I'm sure anybody who's even a casual sports fan saw the scenes last weekend when uh, the Wrexham Football Club, that's co-owned by by Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney, got promotion to the uh, to the football league in the UK, and, and saw the scenes in the stadium and and the tears and uh obviously if you're an nhl follower you've you've seen the news this winter about reynolds being involved with with uh potentially more than one ownership group is trying to buy the ottawa senders from from the melnick uh the melnick family and you know credit to reynolds who's proven to be quite a quite an entrepreneur and uh and Nube, they when they announced this partnership they came out really quickly with the marketing campaign which i I thought it's quite slick and, and fun, and it's uh, it's kind of typical of the other stuff that we've seen Reynolds when Reynolds do with uh, with the mobile company that he was involved in that he he just sold for a for a whack of money uh, not too long ago as well. I, I guess Amanda, that uh, the question I, I have for you, and it, it, maybe not so much a question as a comment. It, it is. Uh, I got thinking about this this morning that it's it is a little amusing that last week we're I think the last couple of weeks we've been talking about celebrities and athletes and clamping down on advertising and and um, you know the, the company that Ryan Reynolds is doing a partnership with it's not a sports book operator but it's some it's a company that does a lot of work in the gaming industry it's a member of the Canadian Gaming Association and it almost feels to me that that it's it just feels differently even though gambling is a legal regulated industry. Well, I was really excited because now I'm two degrees, uh, if you use Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation, I'm two degrees separated from Ryan Reynolds now, given uh, <laughs> I know Neil Ehrlich. Um, and Neil actually reached out to me because Nuve is a, a payment provider for us. So Neil reached out to me last week and I complimented him on the commercials. I said, Phil Fair feels like a natural. And I caught a glimpse of Neil in the first ad that they released with Ryan. Um, but you know, you never really hear a payments company being talked about in the same terms as like a Hollywood 
you know, star and payment companies aren't really known for ever being like super cool and sexy. So I think it's been a bit of a hat trick for, uh, for Nuve, but good on them. Um, good on them. They're, they're a great company. Um, they have great products and I think that was a nice little coup for them. And, you know, I know Ryan's been in the news because of his team in uh, Wales, um, doing quite well. And, uh, I can only imagine what led him down the path to, to Nuve, but, Glad it happened for the Nuve group. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, any thoughts? It's hard to beat anything involving Ryan Reynolds these days. And to your point, Steve, um, Ryan, you know, a lot of the content in entrepreneurship is run through his company, Maximum Effort, and they've done they've done some of the best work I've seen in the industry, right, in, in kind of the media space um, over the last, you know, half decade or so. So, no, it's, it's a slam. I mean, it's incredible. I love I thought it was, I thought it was awesome, and it was so fun to think of a payment a payments company with an ad campaign or the, with a creative campaign like that. No, I mean, there's nothing nothing negative about that at all. It was amazing. I'm a huge fan. Chris, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, I mean Ryan Reynolds, uh, like you said, uh, um, everything he does is is wholesome and nice and fun and sweet, and I think we'd all love him to be our best friend or brother or husband or what have you. Right. Um, so, you know, I wonder if there's skeletons in there somewhere nobody's that perfect. Um, but yeah, it's great. And as for, you know, it's interesting because you're right. Nuve is not a, um, you know, a, a really a client facing, you know, a general consumer facing uh, business. However, um, I think it's good to tell their story because they, they, they're, they're pretty big and they're a Canadian uh, company. So it's great. And I think whoever um, is advising Ryan Reynolds, I'm sure he takes a lot of flights and does a lot of reading, but I'm sure he's not making these decisions on his own. Um, it's, it's been, he's done well. He's, he's very, very unique and um, hats off to Nuve for, for grabbing him. Um, it's only going to help them. I'm sure. Hey Gavin, this uh, this topic's right in your wheelhouse. So, I really want to get your uh, your take on this. Yeah, it's amazing um, how his brand, you know, just leveraging you know what what his brand has become has come to mean, right? Like just by investing, it now means instant credibility. And this is a guy who only invests in successful things. So if he's touching to everybody's point, but I, I kind of look at it as you know, just how his brand brings instant um, street cred and credibility, not to mention, obviously, mass reach and appeal. Um, and uh, good on him. That's kind of what, you know, he's, he's, he's established that. So um, partnerships and endorsements like this, uh, if done right, can be uh, a big boost for a company. And I think uh, right now, to, to Chris's point, you know, he does seem like he's squeaky clean and there are no skeletons. I do remember him being part of a campaign for BC Tourism when I was back working on the 2010 Olympics and, and not being everybody's favorite guy on set. So if that's the worst he's done, you know, I think I think he's OK. Um, I was uh, I was pretty diligent this week. I really wanted to get somebody from uh, from Nuve on on the show today, but they they're dealing with some some other other matters right now. So um, I traded. The well, I think Amanda was just bragging about knowing Ryan Reynolds, wasn't she? A second ago, like she. she, <laughs> she oh no, my my hope is to get to know Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I'd be happy to start <laughs> attending some Nuve meetings if that would help. But no. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I think uh, I really want to tell the backstory of how all this came together. So uh, Nick and Amanda, if you could have Neil get in touch with me, that would be great. But I, I'm going to keep uh, pushing that. And, and really, I'm really hoping to get someone new from Nuve on because I think it is a, a brilliant campaign and it, it kind of ticks off every box when it comes to effective marketing. So that, that's that's a story that we're not going to let uh, let go. Um, listen, I'd like I'd like to have a bit of fun the last fifteen minutes or so, and and uh, we we sometimes get in the weeds with the with the business side of this industry, and we don't get chances very often, given the time of year and the sports calendar, and uh, you know, it's a, as we all know, there's a lot of excitement right now around in, in Edmonton and Toronto about the Leafs and uh, and the Oilers, and maybe not so much around the around the Jets who are facing elimination in their series with uh, with Las Vegas, but. It's a it's a pretty cool time of year on the sports calendar. And Nick, I'll maybe start with you. I just want to talk about again, without you know, g- getting into too many details. Like, are are you seeing any trends of points bet with the kind of betting that's taking place during the playoffs, and and um, how much of that excitement around playoff time rubs off on people who are, are maybe you know, again, people like me who might only bet once or twice a week during the season and. Maybe we're maybe we're betting a little bit more right now just to have some fun and be a little bit more engaged with the with the best time of the year for a professional sports league. I mean, the reality is, fans, especially the local fans here in Ontario, they like betting on their local teams, right? So the the action around, especially the Leafs playoff series this year, has been pretty exciting to see. Um, but the reality is, Steve, from a sports betting perspective. Um, the the uptick that always happens uh, when the playoffs begin is, I would say, is partly due to the emotion of playoff sports. But the other uptick occurs because, and I'm not sure if other operators experience this, but I mean, I've experienced this for the last, whatever, 10, 12 years of my, my life, my career, whatever. Um, the last month or so of both the NBA and NHL seasons, especially, um, are not big, not massive betting moments because um, because uh, knowledgeable gamblers understand that those those games during the last month are very difficult to predict uh, because there's lots of, of, of players being rested. There's uh, sometimes occasionally lack of motivation of certain teams. So those aren't typically the, the, you'll see a general decline in bet count and in, in, in average um, kind of wager size per user during during the lead up to the playoffs. But then once the playoffs begin, when things become a lot more predictable, and I mean predictable from a sports gambling perspective, not necessarily what is going to happen in a game, um, because this, this playoff season, both in the NBA and NHL, has definitely not been predictable. But gamblers will gamble more in games that are that are um, that are more uh, Official, well, official is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. So, I mean, I will say that like the the Heat, there were uh, the the Heat Buck series in the NBA. Now, wow, that was a really exciting one because there was a lot of action. I mean, the the, the value of the Heat in that series because I mean, one, they're the first play in team to ever make it through the first round of the playoffs. Not to mention the fact that I think they're one of six eight seeds to, to beat a one seed regardless the values there were, were were exceptional and they were delivering as was jimmy butler obviously right um you know as for hockey i mean 
I think that tonight is tonight's a really interesting night in the world of Toronto from a sports fan perspective and from a sports gambling perspective. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of um, Leafs fans hedging their emotion. Let's just put it that way. Uh, right. The value, the value tonight is on the lightning, right? So, anyway, yeah, I think Steve, it's 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 always an exciting time this time of year. Put it that way. Yep, Amanda. Uh, I sorry, did you say Leafs win the Stanley Cup? Because if that's what you said, then yes, I I agree. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, no, actually, I had a friend of mine who lives in Vegas who called to apologize because he'd written the Leafs off and then you know stopped paying attention to the game and then was completely stunned to find out that they roared back in overtime and won. So we'll see what happens tonight. Um, I know I have my fingers very firmly crossed. Um, but as my husband reminds me, you know, there's always baseball that we can now look forward to because <laughs> to be a Leafs fan is to be long suffering. You know, you always hope this year is the year, but that's what makes us fans. <laughs> uh, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, and if anyone who watches Ted Lasso and shame on you, if you don't, uh, it's the hope that kills you. And uh, there's plenty of Leaf fans who who really want to believe. They have very good reason to believe right now. But I agree with Nick. I think there'll be some some Tampa Bay series prices floating in at about nine to one right now, or whatever it is, um, just in case, just to make it feel a little bit better. But um, I I I think the Leafs win this series um, probably tonight. I think Tampa Bay has gone uh, three years to, uh, all the way to the end, and there might be some guys in the room who would never admit it that are thinking, you know couple extra months off might not be the worst thing in the world right now. And besides those who don't think that way. I, I will say, I will say, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris, I, I'm curious to know if, if, if you saw this at Botano, but I, I, I asked traders um, on, on Monday morning or Tuesday morning um, how much action came in on the Leafs to win when they were down four to one in the third period. And there wasn't a ton. I think there were, I think we only took, we, there was a handful of them. But when they went down 4-2, a bunch of action rolled in on the Leafs coming back, which is kind of exciting, right? So that was a, that was a pretty funny conversation with the traders. It, it, it is. And our traders got a double whammy because we have the, you know, if your team goes up three goals, you, you get paid out early. So they had to pay all the Tampa bets and all the Toronto bets. <laughs> um, so they, they, weren't obvi- they weren't too thrilled about that. So, but um, here's, here's something that people there's a fallacy also um the nhl this week is probably our third most bet sport um maybe fourth the people to really start hammering the nfl draft tonight but the nba for us is the far and away leader um there's multiple reasons for that there's a lot of lot a lot more live betting in the nba than there is in in other sports but when you're talking pure bet count and handle uh nba has been up there and, and we've had a lot of uh, baseball action um not just the blue jays so um we're learning that that people in Ontario are quite happy betting, uh, betting the NBA, betting Major League Baseball. And um, hockey is still, and I think there might be a few reasons for that. And, and if you're talking just Ontario, I think the Leafs fan base in general is a little bit older, maybe a little less skewed to be betting online. Um, I think if you saw the Raptors making a deeper run in the playoffs, there'd be a little bit more that way. But, um, you know, there's still action coming in, but but overall, right? So I think, you know, our guys are still kind of kind of locked into um, – to the NBA a lot. And um, yeah, it'll be curious to see what happens, but yeah, the um, you should be that you should be live betting the NHL, (laughs) these playoffs, because some of the comebacks have been absolutely outstanding. It's been a lot of fun to watch. 
I just got to say, Chris, on that, like I, again, me as a novice better, like I, I, I'm not, I, you know, I very, very rarely engage in live, live betting. I think, if, you know, I'm, I'm still one of these old guys that watches a game with one eye and I'm on Twitter with the other eye. But are you, just from a broad strokes perspective, like are you seeing, is there some something dynamic going on when it comes to live betting and is it something you're seeing more of? It's It's the... I don't know about more of, but it's uh, there's more options to live bet now, especially when you get into micro betting. Like, uh, what's the next basket going to be? Is it going to be two points or three points? You know, um, it's getting very, very granular. So it's giving more opportunities to to bet. But back to my point, Steve, a little bit about it. If, and the other thing is, it's the high scoring sports, right? So you see it way more often in basketball and football than you do in in hockey and and even baseball. Um, but to my point about kind of the the NHL being a little bit further down. Um, just think about the dynamics uh, or the demographics, I guess, of the crowd when you go to Scotiabank Arena uh, for, on a Raptors game versus uh, a Leafs game, right? There's a lot of gray here at, at a Leafs game. It's a yeah. lot more young and hip and cool. And I'd say the average age drops about 10 or 15 years at a Raptors game. So I think there's there's something to that, right? It's the demographic of people who follow these sports, especially in our province. Yeah, but I think that you can't underestimate, Chris, uh um, the lack of betting markets, of stats, of stoppage in play that really do hamper the upside of hockey right now. I know there are a bunch of companies that are working on new types of, of analytics and data sources and data points that could really light up the future of hockey betting. But I mean, Chris is, Chris is spot on. I mean, we're seeing the same thing here. You know, at points bet that hockey is, is actually hockey was our fourth biggest sport. Last week, um, uh, tennis was massive for us last week, which is pretty exciting. Um, but the reality is um, hockey is not the best sport to bet on. It's just that simple. It's just not. I think so, you're right, Nick. Uh, I think you're very, very right when it comes to especially the even the pregame um, options that are available in some sports versus uh, the NHL. I think the NHL options have gotten better. But, um, yeah, the more data points that come in um, – Again, it's a lower scoring sport. So, you know, if a spread changes by one or two points in a basketball game, okay, you might be interested in getting in. The spread in a hockey game isn't changing that much. And, um, yeah, there's uh, there's certainly the, the way the games are structured is uh, definitely lends itself differently. Don't, don't, uh, don't say low scoring to any Tampa or Leaf fans. Eh? That, that series has gone, I think, over in every game and significantly. Um, but one quick thing as... Um, that blows my mind, and I'm curious what the operators take on this because I, I just just don't understand it. The Leafs have consistently been, I think currently they're sitting as the number two future to win the cup. And going into the playoffs, they were number three or four. How? How? I don't understand. They're basically saying if they get past whoever beats, whoever wins out of Boston, Toronto, which they're basically saying will be the next round, will win the cup. And that just blows my mind. For a well, team Gavin, that hasn't gotten out of the first round, you know? Yeah, but I, I think, so Gavin, remember, I mean, it's priced because of where the action is going is, to, is, is, is landing. Uh, but they're also, it's also priced because, let's face it, the Western Conference is shit. The Western Conference is not does not compare with the Eastern Conference this year. It just doesn't. So I think that's where you see where you see that pricing come in. And 
Um, but I think it's also just, you know, it's getting priced because of where the money is coming in. And that, that, I guess that's part of my point is like, it is shocking to me how much money goes there. Right. So anyway, I think, um, you know, one other, one other point on that is, um, a lot of those odds. Yeah. Yes. They're definitely, uh, influenced by where the money goes, but they're not based on the ghosts of the last 20 years. Like don't, a trader does not care that the Leafs haven't got out of the first round in however long they care about the expected goals from this group and, and the expected goals of the groups they're playing against and mathematical models and, yeah, and all these things, right? They, um, you know, the, they're happy to accept the risk on the Leafs being upset every year because statistically it shouldn't happen. Yeah. I guess it's just this core is still the core, right? Who have not been able to get it done, which fa- has to factor in somehow. But but I get it. It it feels like a different team this year uh, with the addition. So maybe that's uh, playing into it. They're looking at the types of players, the type of lineup, uh, the expected goals, all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, it's it's just interesting to me. And there's the other part of that is you don't need to offer the Leafs at twenty to one if people will bet them at ten to one or five to one or whatever, right? Um, it, it's all about, uh, it's, it's market forces. So, um, yeah, I, you got to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. Amanda, Chris talked about, uh, you know, baseball being maybe a surprise number two or number three. And I, I wonder if, you know, you as a, a baseball fan of some that's attributable to the, uh, to the, to the Blue Jays getting off to a decent start, but, there's also this feeling, and it takes me back to that. I think the conversation that uh, the NBA commissioner was Adam Silver was having with uh, Rob Manfred a couple of years ago, and essentially, the, you know, the essence of the the anecdote was that baseball is a perfect sport for in game in game betting. Um, just your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, much like what Chris and Nick were saying, hockey has not ever really cracked, you know, the top three of any in any of our weeks in terms of you know, the sports being bet on here and tennis and even cricket have kind of continued to surprise. Um, so it's it's just as I've been talking for a long time, you know, it's, it's the beauty of Ontario being so multicultural and the fact that we have people here who watch a lot of non-traditional, you know, big four sports. Um, but to baseball, I think especially, you know, if you're looking at the Toronto fan with, you know, a, a half revamped, half upgraded Skydome, excuse me, Rogers Center. Um, and the fact that, um, you know, the, the season's just starting and we're going to be winding down hockey and basketball very soon. I think there's really a great potential to see what can be possible with baseball this year, especially with the slight adjustments being made, you know, to make the game go hopefully a little faster. So, yeah, I think it's probably going to be a year where a lot of us lean into that now as we're going to be with kind of golf tennis and, and baseball for the, the foreseeable future until the fall sports season starts up again. So I think there's a lot of potential to see what operators are going to, are going to do this year. Yeah, Chris, there's also, yeah, go ahead. Steve, I'll just say one thing, just one thing around baseball. There's also 162 games per team. The massive baseball. If you look at baseball on a Mount wager per game, it is less impressive than, than the mass, right? It's still impressive. And it's still, you know, it's still a high, it's, it's number two at points by right now as well, behind, bas- behind basketball. But there's 162 games. That's a lot of volume. Yeah. Chris, I'll give the last word to you. Again, dangerous, Steve. You're putting way too much trust in my hands. Um, listen, you, uh, most people know that I'm a, I'm a massive baseball fan. Uh, I, I tell people I'm not a fan of anyone. 
uh, except the Blue Jays. Other sports, I just bet on whoever and and like players and stuff. But I am a Blue Jays fan, um, and I'm a traditional baseball fan. But I gotta say, I really, really like the changes MLB has implemented this year. I think it can only help in drawing interest to the game, and the more people uh, are, that are interested in the game, um, the more people are going to bet on the game. So I do think um, you know they have they have lots to lots to build on. We went to the game yesterday afternoon, 107 first pitch. It was over by 3:30. Um, could have went back to the office and worked if I wanted to. I did not, but um, it's it's really it's really really changed the game. It's um, it's exciting. And if you've been away from baseball, go back and check it out. Yeah, here, here, Chris. I'm I'm a traditionalist, and I I agree that the changes have taken the game back to where I I, I think it needs to be in terms of time of time of games. And uh, I hated the uh, I hated the shift, and uh, so I'm 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 with you. Uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, Amanda Brewer, Chris Abbott, Nick Salski, Gavin Roth. Thank you all so much for, for being with us once again this week. And as always providing a lot of, uh, uh, food for thought, uh, and some entertainment to boot. So r- really appreciate each of you joining us. If you have a chance, we'll get a podcast out, uh, in the next 48 hours. Uh, you can find that podcast on Substack, Spotify, or, or Apple. So look for a gaming news Canada show podcast presented by Elsler Hoskin and Harcourt LLP. Please subscribe to the newsletter. It's also available on Substack. That's Gaming News Canada. Uh, we do these uh, LinkedIn audio shows every Thursday afternoon between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern time. So please tell your friends and, and join the conversation. I always learn something from every hour that we get together with Amanda, Chris, Nick, and, and others. So uh, everyone, please enjoy. Uh, have a very safe weekend. Uh, Leaf fans, enjoy the game game tonight. Uh, if you're an NFL fan, enjoy the draft. If you're a tennis fan, I'm sure everybody's excited about the French Open starting Sunday. Uh, have a terrific weekend, and we'll see everybody again in seven days' time. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.